Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome into Odds On. Happy Christmas week. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Tons of action over the weekend. Bowl games got kicked off in earnest. And not all of, not even close to all of the NFL week, as we still have two games today and two games tomorrow, Amal. We start off Mondays with your naughty list, especially appropriate for this time of year called shenanigans. Let's begin and end with Blake Anderson. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the finish to this Utah State-Oregon State game. 2.40 to go on the clock. The ball's at the second uh, two-yard line. First and goal to go. Oregon State's out of timeouts. Mike, they run the ball on the first play and they fumble the ball. Why not just take three knees? There'll be about 40 seconds remaining. Then on fourth down, run a regular offensive play, whether you choose to run or what have you. Ice the game. Fortunately for them, Oregon State turns around and throws a pick a couple of plays later, but it was just surprising to me how dumb and inept these coaches are in terms of their clock management. So it, it just re- it just really shocks me. How about uh, in the game with, uh, with Liberty and Eastern Michigan? Liberty misses the extra point on their, on their second touchdown. Then on their third touchdown, they miss the extra point, but 12 men on the field yes. on defense, and they come back and miss it again. See, he missed three out of four, although they won by about a bazillion points. All right, let's go to our burning questions about the NFL. Certainly was an interesting week, and I haven't really had a chance to get your take on the analytics and foregoing all these field goals. But let's start there, because I wasn't here Friday. Uh, Dave Ross did a terrific job filling in. Question one, Amal. With NFL coaches foregoing field goals to go on fourth down at an unprecedented rate, how does this change how you handicap sides and or totals? Well, I would have taken the Saints plus the points instead of the money line because they would have ended up in a 0-0 tie. But fortunately for us, Dennis Allen decided to kick three field goals this weekend. Otherwise, we'd still be battling it out in overtime, in essence. But I think it's ridiculous. I know you're going to get to the point about Harbaugh here. And to me, I still don't understand. I don't have a problem with going for two, but my question is this. Why at 31-23 didn't you go for two? It gives you two opportunities. If you fail and miss on the first one, you can go for it on the second one and tie it up. I don't like with 42 seconds remaining and one timeout for Green Bay, you going for two there because if you miss, there's plenty of time for AR-12 to move right down the field and get in field goal range. I, th- I didn't have an issue with the risk. And by the way, you had put up 30 points against them in essence, or you should have at that point in time. Uh, I mean, you had 30, and Huntley had played well. I, I didn't understand why the risk there. Two things for me, and that's the second question, and then we'll get back to the first question. Whether you agreed with the decision to go for two by Harbaugh, you didn't two weeks ago against Pittsburgh. I didn't think you would here. If you take out 41 seconds, let's say there's three seconds left on the clock, do you agree with the decision at that point? I do. Uh, you feel like you can win the game instead of relying on the coin toss and the way they'd move the ball in the second half. I thought there was a much better opportunity in that situation. But with enough time and a timeout, with 42 seconds and one timeout needing 40 yards for Aaron Rodgers seems like an eternity. I get Mason Crosby's not had a great year, but still it felt like a situation where they would be able to do that. I apologize. I kind of misinterpreted your question uh, in terms of field goals. These coaches foregoing, we saw it Thursday night, and you know you continue to see this. 
I get the analytics, but I think you have to play time score and situation. And there's not enough understanding. And this is the one thing in scouting we know very well. You can't quantify heart. So why is everything analytics-based? And the league has become so saturated with it, it is actually affecting the product and the decision-making. And right now, it's proving to hurt teams. It happened many, many times this weekend. Let's put aside Carolina, who didn't have a kicker. <laughs> but I want to ask you a couple examples. Arizona, they're down 10-3. to Minute left to go in the half, fourth and goal from whatever it was, the, f- the four, five, six-yard line. It wasn't, it wasn't a punch-in situation. Goes, go for the touchdown. They didn't get it. And then Detroit went 97 yards and led 17 nothing at half. To me, if you kick the field goal, uh, I mean, you still, you're still in the game. It's not that you're out of the game, but I, I just think in the early stages of the game, this is the same argument for not going for too early, but you want to take even greater risk on points? Why do that? We're talking about one point on an extra point and a two-point conversion. Why are you foregoing three points in these situations? One thing Kingsbury did do, and I thought of you when he did it, when down 21, they went for two on that first touchdown. Yeah. Well, that's You're that's right. the right move. Okay, in that situation, I think you should do it because if you do make it, now all of a you sudden— You make the first one, you have the advantage, yes. or if you don't, you still have two out of three, right? Exactly right. right. you you got to make two out of three, and you're still back there. Uh, I want to go to another situation. Arthur Smith, okay? They get the turnover on the opening kick. They get first and goal at the one. They run, they run twice and throw an incomplete pass, and they're left with fourth and goal at the two. It's 0-0. You're one minute into the game. He goes for it, doesn't take the field goal. You agree or disagree? I disagree. I think you've got to take points. You know, everybody fears, oh, it's Kansas City on the other side, in this case, San Francisco. Would it have made a difference in the grand scheme of the game against the 49ers? Probably not. But I still think you want to put yourself in a position where you feel like you got points. Remember, Detroit in their opening drive had to take the points. Now, how about this? Arthur Smith does it twice in the fourth quarter. He's down 17 them all, and with 10 minutes left, he has fourth down and two. And he doesn't take the field goal again. And then again with seven minutes left. He's down inside the red zone and doesn't take the field. When you're down three scores, I don't understand why you don't take the field goal. I got a, I got a bunch of text messages on Saturday. People saying, oh, how could Belichick take the three here? I said, I completely agree with the decision. I said, you're still, it's a 10-point game. There's plenty of time. It wasn't like there was two minutes left in the game. And so from that standpoint, it was uh, very good. By the way, our genius producer, he went to Nebraska, so I'm not really sure he's familiar with team scoring that much for him to chime in on saying wrong there. I disagree. I think Belichick was right in taking the points. And then you put some more pressure on them. They had an opportunity late in the game. Uh, all right. Question number three. It's a two-part question, Amal. Number one, why do the Saints own Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? And two, did the Bucs season end last night with injuries to Fournette, Godwin, and Evans? Well, Godwin's got the knee injury. Evans' hamstring, right? Even if it's a severe case of a hamstring injury, what is he out? Three to four weeks. He'll be back for the postseason, so they'll be okay from that standpoint. Uh, I don't believe their season ended. I will say this. Some teams just match up particularly well with certain other opponents. And I think New Orleans, with their defensive front, their physical, they're able to match up well. Um, I'm just a little bit surprised to see them get shut out like this. I mean, this is a shocker, obviously. They beat them twice easily last year. Lost in the playoff game in New Orleans. But remember, Brady only threw for like 170 yards in that game. Three interceptions by Breeze and the fumble when they're up, up seven and driving. Jared Cook, Cook that yeah. crit- <laughs> critical fumble in that game. If they don't fumble, they're about 10 to 12 yards away from field goal range. Will Lutz had a cannon of a leg when he was healthy last year. Uh, you feel like the Saints would have been able to march on there. Um, all right, and then final question, and maybe the most difficult one of all. Who's going to win the AFC North? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I still think Baltimore will. Um, you know, this team is not as bad with Huntley as people think they might be with a regular backup quarterback. He, he, this, listen, if they weren't facing Aaron Rodgers on the other side, I think they could have won this football game yesterday. I think that broke their streak of 12 or 13 straight wins against the NFC. 
Wow. Second longest in history, only to a Belichick run of 17. That's right impressive. The NFC. Yes, it is. So Baltimore and Cincinnati tied by record, uh, eight and six. If Cleveland beats the Raiders today, they move to eight and six, and the Steelers are seven, six, and one. We could have the possibility of four teams separated by a half game with three weeks to go. Baltimore at Cincinnati this week coming. Yeah, by the way, once again, we're not talking about the Steelers, but they're right there knocking on the door once Down again. Down 13 to nothing in that game. I mean, it was all Tennessee. And then the, the, once it turns, it turns quickly there. I'll be honest with you. I put a small play on the Steelers. I thought I had a dead loser. Yeah. I didn't even watch the second half of the game. I was like, ah, this thing's a loser. Who cares? And I see they come back and win. That's what they continue to do. This team just fights in certain. Now, next week, they're probably likely to get blown out by 30. It's every other week for the Steelers. So. Well, just know that they won't have a losing record at the end of the year because <laughs> yes. Tomlin, Tomlin never has a losing record. Two games on the docket today. First game is the game moved from Saturday, and it'll go at 2 o'clock Pacific, 5 o'clock on the East Coast. That is the Raiders at the Browns. This game opened before all of the COVID news with the Browns favored by six and all. With the news that Baker was out and a few offensive linemen and Stefanski, it moved to one in favor of the Raiders. Then uh, when we learned that Case Keenan was out, this game got as high as four and a half. Currently we sit at Raiders three with a total of 40 and a half. Is this a game you can become involved in? with all of the COVID news for the Browns. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I like the under. Mm. I, I think both of these teams are going to struggle to move the football. What do we got? Nick Mullins under center? Nick Mullins. I mean, come on. I'm not really excited about a guy from Southern Miss who barely cut in San Francisco when they had a pretty good team already. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a challenge here for this Browns offensive line. You know, you lose Conklin already due to injury. Wills and Teller are, are elite offensive linemen. It's going to be a real challenge for this running game. It's going to be difficult when they're in third and long situations. Derek Carr, uh, you know, the good news for him, Jadavion Clowney's not there, so at least maybe he'll only have to get into the fetal position half the time against Miles Garrett. Let me ask you, this, let me ask you this, this question. Would you rather have an intact offensive line and Mullins or the current offensive line and Mayfield going into this game? I would rather have an intact, wait, Mayfield playing and with the Mayfield, banged up. Mayfield playing with this uh, offensive line with three starters out. Or Mullins playing with a fully healthy offensive line? That's not a fair question. Oh. I'll tell you why. Because I think Nick Mullins is straight up stealing money. Bank robbers don't make the kind of money he's going to steal today. And the bottom line is, to me, Baker's obviously an appreciable upgrade. But I, I, to me, in the NFL, it's about nine players. It's about the five guys up front and about the four guys on the defensive front. Oh, gosh, I would rather have a healthy offensive line because they still have an elite running game. I, I was going to play this game and take a point and a half with the Browns uh, with Keenum. I can't play Mullins, though. I no, think I, agree that, with you I think there's a bigger drop-off from Keenum to Mullins than there is from Mayfield to Keenum. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. It's not even close. Remember, Keenum got that team to the NFC Championship game in Minnesota. It sure did. And up 7 to nothing after the first drive. I, oh, did, I didn't remember that. Yeah, remember, they went right down the field, and then they lost, what, 42-14, something <laughs> I like that. that. I know because up. I had the Vikings and the points that day. <laughs> I had two friends of mine locally from Vegas who went to the game, and I said, you can't wear your Minnesota gear. By the end of the first quarter, oh. they took it off. They, they were fearing for their life. Yeah, I guess. Uh <laughs> Vikings at the Bears. This has been a house of horrors, Soldier Field for Kirk Cousins. I, I know your feelings on him, but still a big spot for the Vikings. They're still in this wild card race. Lane six and a half on the road tonight with a total of 45 and a half. Too many points, division matchup, even though the Bears are inept at times. The Bears are Jekyll and Hyde. They're competitive one week. The next week, it seems like they're inconsistent. Mike, I just feel like you have to take a look at the Bears here. I don't want to lay seven in a division road game. Remember when Green Bay went in there a few weeks ago? We saw the struggle. Yeah, I think this is a must win tonight. 
uh, for yes. the Vikings because look at their schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. Packers and Rams. The college bowl season is kicked off, and VEASAN has got you covered with our all-new bowl betting guide. Get matchup analysis on every bowl game, including insights, trends, data, and predictions to help you make your best bets. Whether you're betting on every game or just want to find a few key high-value props, the VEASAN College Bowl Betting Guide can help you give can help give you an edge. Get your digital copy today for only $19.99 at VEASAN.com slash bowl guide. And Amal and I will continue our bowl preview up next. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine products are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, and Amal's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash f-i-n-d. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, and we're going to dedicate the next two segments to the college football bowl season. Let's start. Um, we have our preview here, but let's start with the game today. We've talked about this already. Um, that goes at 1130 Pacific time between Old Dominion and Tulsa. I have a play on this game coming up later when we give our plays in the last block of all. This number uh, has gone up to seven and a half now in favor of Tulsa with a total of 54 and a half. Yeah, I, I like Tulsa in this game. Uh, to me, they're a more complete football team, still very good defensively. Offense can be inconsistent with them, but going up against a Monarchs team that was fortunate enough to be in this position, really, I, I don't think they're that good. Mike, you look at the wins they have. Louisiana Tech, Florida International, Florida Atlantic, Middle Tennessee, and Charlotte. You know what they all have in common? These are all teams that are just either under 500 or one game better than 500. So really not a strong schedule that they were able to navigate here. I think people are forgetting that this Tulsa team is just a far more competitive team in a better league. I think Brennan Company should be able to win this one. I like them to cover the seven and a half here. I'm glad to hear that. All right, let's get into our, our preview. Well, I might be on the same side. Let's get into our preview that we're doing with the next three bowl games. We ended off on the Hawaii Bowl uh, on, on Christmas Eve. So let's start off with the Christmas Day game, uh, the Camellia Bowl. Uh, that goes at 11.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. That'll come from Montgomery, Alabama, between Georgia State and Ball State. Amal, Georgia State here in this game, favored by 5.5 with a total of 50. Georgia State actually finished second in the Sun Belt. East Sun Belt's been flattered so far by bowl, bowl results. Uh, so far went 6-2 and two within the division. Remember they had that close call where they actually led Auburn in the fourth quarter at Jordan Air, ended up losing that game 34-24. And then the very next week, Played Louisiana competitively on the road, 21-17. They did beat Coastal Carolina at Coastal Carolina this year, 42-40. to And then when you look at Ball State, I mean, you were right. I mean, the MAC was way down this year, way down. It, it has been, and uh, that's the one concern I have in this matchup for uh, Ball State into this game is can they slow down the running of Greg and Williams for uh, Georgia State in this game? That's going to be the key. I'm not really worried about them running, uh, excuse me, being able to beat you through the air there. I think it's uh, Granger who's their quarterback. Not as effective. 
But the run game is balanced. Both these guys have over 800 yards rushing. I'm not sure Ball State's going to be able to necessarily slow this offense down enough. I didn't play this game, Mike. I thought the number was a little bit high, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take Ball State. I can't back them. If you look at the one thing I got to give Ball State credit, their losses this year, Toledo, Wyoming, you know, teams in NIU who had a very good season, Miami of Ohio, who somehow was far better than their record but inconsistent. I just don't want to take an inconsistent team. I'm going to stay away from this game. I think it's tough to call one way or the other in this one. Ball State tied for fourth in the MAC West, which was which was like they were all 500, four and four or whatever in the MAC West. I think their best win of the year was when they beat Army at home in in early October, 28-16. Georgia State also played Army in the opener and got destroyed by yeah. Army. This is a much improved team from that opening weekend. Great point. They are not the same team that they were from the opening weekend. And usually you would expect to have success against Army or Navy in a opening weekend opportunity because you can prepare for the triple option. But Georgia State got better as the season progressed. And again, I think they're going to want to put the ball in the, uh, put, not put the ball on the ground, but keep the ball on the ground here and try to win the game that way. But for me, again, I think this is where the in-play comes in. If you see something, you take advantage of it there. How about the total here, 50? Seems a shade low to me. I would agree with you. I thought this was going to be probably 52 or 53. However, I would love for there to be an opening score, get this line up to about 55 or 56, and maybe take an opportunity with the under here, Mike. I think these numbers are spot on with these two teams, but I'm not really thrilled about betting either or backing either one of them. All right, let's go to a week from today, next Monday, uh, a pair of bowl games. The first one starting at 8 a.m. Pacific, uh, the Quick Lane Bowl from Ford Field in Detroit fe- featuring Western Michigan and uh, Nevada Reno. Western Michigan comes into the game 7-5. and five. Again, tied in that logjam at 4-4 four and four for fourth in the MAC West. Remember, they had that great stretch in September when they won at Pitt 44-41. And then they beat San Jose State, a decent team, at home the next week 23-3. Mediocre results uh, in the MAC, 4-4. Four and four. And then you have the case of UNR here, 8-4. and four. Finished third in the Mountain West. They won their opener at Cal. They won at Boise. I think that their game was left on the field in Carson in that in that last drive uh, against San Diego State because they were only had one loss. They had a chance to win um, the 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 West side of that Mountain West division, and they lost that heartbreaking game in Carson against San Diego State. Then they got beat by Air Force in a couple of overtimes. The line here, Amal, Western Michigan, lane six with a total of fifty six and a half. Carson Strong not playing for the Wolfpack in this game. Well, really, no surprise he's not going to play in this one. I think it's reflected in the line clearly. Caleb Ellaby had a terrific season for the most part and then kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch. Western Michigan, outside of the service academies, in the top five in terms of time of possession in college football. They are going to look to grind it out on the ground, even though Ellaby is a guy who can throw it and beat you through the air. Uh, Mike, in this matchup for me, you mentioned it, Nevada. I'm not sure how engaged they're going to be in this game. I thought this team thought they were having a better season. And going to Michigan to play at Ford Field, probably not something they're excited about. Western Michigan, familiar territory. They've been in the MAC championship before. Uh, I would be looking at the under in this game. I think the Nevada defense is good enough to slow this Bronco offense down to a point where they're not going to put up a ton of points. Again, they're going to go ball control. That's what they have done. That's the recipe for success for them, and I think it will be something similar. Don't think of the Pittsburgh game where it was just everyone airing it out, and they were able to take advantage of Pitt's defense. I think it's a long time removed from that situation for the Broncos. Uh, you like under 56.5, which is the total on this game. If you're Nevada-Reno, you make a good point. Disappointing finish to the season. You're thinking about maybe playing in a Mountain West championship game. Instead, you get to spend Christmas in Detroit and without your quarterback. Can't be a great motivating spot. And to boot, you kick at 8 o'clock your body time. 8 a.m. Pacific kick here in this game. Yeah, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> and, you know, to me, the one thing is that when you look at this team, Carson Strong threw for over 4,000 yards. 
him not being in the lineup changes the dynamic of this team clearly. Uh, so it's going to be a real challenge for them. Uh, Cox, who's the backup quarterback, has thrown for, uh, let's see here, oh, 158 yards. Well, I think they're going to look. Look, they have a balanced attack. Strong was obviously their best player. But they can run the ball as well. Remember the pistol many years under Chris Alden at Nevada, and they haven't totally abandoned the running game. So to your point, I think we'll see the ball on the ground a lot more than we might in a UNR game. And then later that day, 8.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time is the Military Bowl. This is actually going to be played in Navy Stadium, um, Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland, featuring Boston College in East Carolina. He's a mall, you know, your guy Halfley got off to a good start this year. They were 4-0. They covered that game against Missouri, but they had a very poor ACC campaign, finishing tied for sixth or last in the Atlantic side of it. Uh, 4-0 out of conference, but only two conference wins at home to Virginia Tech and then at Georgia Tech. And they face this East Carolina team that comes in 7-5, tied for third in the American. They took Houston to overtime at Houston. Um, They beat Memphis in overtime at Memphis, uh, probably their best win of the year. They've been close in a lot of games, both good and bad, whether they were favored or underdogs. We see Boston College favored in this matchup by three with a total of 51 and a half. I like East Carolina here catching three. I think they're a little bit more balanced offensively. Ehlers has been outstanding throwing the football, but it's more than that. They've really spread the wealth around. Mike, they've got four receivers with over 35 catches. Mitchell has been terrific running the ball for them as well. Look, there's a big difference with Boston College when Phil Jerkovic's under center. This team is far better than when Dennis Gosell is there. That changes everything for them. But the problem I have is you've got a player like Zay Flowers who's really, you can't tackle this guy in a phone booth. For some reason, though, he wound up with less than 50 touches on the year. To me, this is a guy you've got to get him the ball seven, eight times, whether it's on screen passes, uh, jet sweeps, whatever. I just didn't think BC's offense did a good enough job. You mentioned it. They got off to the fast start, I think, 3 or 4-0. and oh, And then after that, we see them basically lose six games towards the end of the season. So I think East Carolina, you brought it up, losses against Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, App State, and they had one other loss in there, but no shame in those. These losses that they've had have been against quality opponents, all bowl opponents. They've done a really nice job so far this year. You think Halfley stays at Boston College, and how do you project their team next year? He'll be at BC. He's not going anywhere. They've got to get better. I don't think he's a guy right now who's going to necessarily wow people in terms of, oh, we just hired this guy. I still think, though, given the right possibility of recruiting, and you know BC, private school, academic restrictions are a little bit higher than they are at the average school, so it's a challenge in terms of getting certain players in. Uh, If he can get things going in a competitive ACC, because you see Florida State potentially on the rise, uh, Clemson obviously will be back, and then you see Pittsburgh doing well. It's going to be a challenge in that league, but if he can do well, I think he winds up going elsewhere soon. I know we're not talking about this game today, though, but Pitt plays Michigan State. This game's been a lot of talk. Walker opts out um, for the Spartans. Pickett, it's assumed he's not playing. I don't think there's been an official announcement. But if you're Kenny Pickett, isn't this a game you want to play in? I think you can increase your draft spot going against arguably the worst secondary in the Power Five. I had an argument with somebody about this, and I said no, because you're playing the worst Power Five defense. If We already know what he's going to be able to do, right? Mm -hmm. Stroud put up 49 points in this first half against this team. Pickett should be able to do something, not necessarily at that level, but comparable. I don't think he's going to be able to necessarily duplicate that. There's nothing for him to gain at this point in time, so I can see why he's opting out. All right, we'll continue our bowl preview next, including a great matchup between Houston and Auburn and the Birmingham Bowl. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Sign up for Play Card Debit MasterCard and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply. Subject to card activation, ID verification. Terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank N.A. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Odds on Mike Palm with the Mall Show. We'll continue our bowl preview. Remember, all of these bowl previews are individual segments uh, on the YouTube channel. If you want to go and watch them all or just any particular one you're thinking of betting on. Let's resume on the 28th. That's next Tuesday in Birmingham, Alabama. The Birmingham Bowl at Protective Stadium. I think there's a good matchup next week uh, of the games next week. You get Houston out of the American Conference against the Auburn Tigers out of the SEC West. You just like saying Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> Houston tied. I mean, they were undefeated in conference, right? They didn't play Cincinnati. Of course, they played them in the American Championship game, losing uh, 35-20 at Cincinnati. They lost their opener. Um, 38-21 to Texas Tech in the great Texas shootout, whatever opening game that was played at Energy Stadium in Houston. And then they rattled off 11 wins in a row before losing to Cincinnati. Auburn, probably people are more familiar with. Uh, not a great SEC season, tying for sixth in the SEC West. Had a credible loss at Penn State earlier in the year. They did win at Arkansas. They did beat Old Miss rather handily at, uh, at Jordan Air. And then, of course, the great game with Alabama where they had many chances to win. Had Alabama down. 10 nothing late in the fourth quarter in that game. Auburn favored by two and a half in this game of all with a total of 51 and a half. Good matchup between conferences here. Really is. And Auburn staying in state here with the game being in Birmingham. But, you know, there's a couple things I want to point out, first of all, with this matchup. Finley obviously is going to be the quarterback for Auburn in this game. Bo Nix transferring to Oregon now. But to me, when I look at this Houston team, you mentioned that Texas Tech game. They had the lead early in that game, I think 14-7 or 14-0. I thought that was a game they squandered. I thought this team should have been undefeated going into that matchup against the Bearcats. No shame in losing at Nippert. I thought this was a terrific team. Clayton Toon has been very good for this program all year long. But Alton McCaskill, the freshman running back, is a guy that's been underrated for them in terms of what he's been able to do. Needs about uh, 120 yards to get to 1,000. It'll be tough sledding against Auburn. Uh, but they're going to have to win this game through the air here. And I think they can do that. I think the defense is very underrated for Holgerson. I don't think people realize that this team is good enough defensively to slow down Auburn. Ever since the Mississippi State game, Auburn has gone into a tailspin. They've lost four in a row. Games that they should have won were Mississippi State and Alabama. They played poorly against South Carolina. I think Houston's better than South Carolina. I, I'm going to make a small play here on Houston as a, as a dog here. Are you taking the two and a half, or you bet this game on the money line? Money line, money line. I agree with you here. Um, later next Tuesday, the Surf First Responder Bowl, the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl from Gerald J. Ford Stadium, TC, uh, uh, Gerald J. Ford Stadium on the campus of SMU in Dallas. That game kicks at 12:15 Pacific, 2:15 local time, 3:15 on the East Coast. Interesting contrast in styles here. Air Force against Louisville. Air Force tied for first in the Mountain West Mountain Division, but having lost straight up to Utah State, did not represent. That side in the championship game in Carson had an impressive win at Boise. They lost to San Diego State at home where San Diego State really limited them on the ground. And they lost that overtime game in Dallas to Army. Louisville tied for fourth in the ACC Atlantic. Um, remember the opening game in Atlanta against Old Miss? Um, I don't like the way this team finished. They got absolutely destroyed at home by in-state rival Kentucky. Yet Louisville finds themselves... Uh, a one-and-a-half-point favorite here, Amal, with a total of 55-and-a-half. I like the over in this game. Mm -hmm. Daniels can throw the ball. This is a much more dangerous team through the air than people realize. Obviously, you go to the ground. He's their second-leading rusher. Roberts was terrific with over 1,200 yards rushing. Think about this for a minute. Daniels, the quarterback, and Roberts, the running back, are just short of 2,000 yards combined. I think they'll be able to exceed that, obviously, because they need about 25 yards. 
But Mike, on the other side, people don't realize the season Malik Cunningham has quietly had. He's just shy, about 250 yards shy of 3,000 passing yards. Needs about 40 yards rushing to get to 1,000. I think the athleticism of Louisville will allow them to move the ball against a solid Air Force defense. On the flip side, I think the Air Force Falcons are going to be able to run roughshod over this Louisville defense. I think this game goes over the total. I, li- I like both teams to get into the high 20s here, maybe low 30s. Uh, I'm going to play. Well, I guess if you say high 20s, it's going to get over. But my, my point being is I think it's going to be a far higher scoring game than people realize. Not, I don't have a play on the side. 73 points in that last game against Kentucky uh, for, for Louisville. And then uh, Air Force played a couple high scoring games on the end there in the Mountain West as well. I agree with you. I do not like Louisville on this side, but I think you've convinced me to go over instead of Air Force. Well, I think there's two advantages when you play one of the service academies. Number one, from an offensive standpoint, you use four downs. And then the other thing is these guys will hit you with the pass when you don't expect it. And I get they have time to prepare. There's really like nothing like facing the triple option until you really see it out there. And I think it's going to be a real challenge here. I, this just should be one of the more fun bowl games to watch. Should be decent weather. It's a, uh, what, 215 local start in Dallas. So yes. it should be a pretty good game. All right. And then uh, later that day, 345 Pacific, 645 on the East Coast. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl from Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, features Mississippi State against Texas Tech, that team that beat Houston in the opening game of the year. Mississippi State finished 7-5 and five under the Pirate Mike Leach, tied for third in the best division in college football, the SEC West. They had an impressive victory at home against NC State. They lost to Memphis in a game that the referees blew the whistle and then let the play continue, and Memphis had like a 96-yard punt return. I thought they got a bad break there. Uh, one of the more impressive wins of the year, they won at Texas A&M, um, and that ridiculous comeback when they were down 23-3 to against Auburn and scored like the next 42 at, at Jordan Air. Uh, lost their rivalry game against uh, Mississippi to close out the season. Texas Tech fired the coach midway through the season. Matt Wells ended up. Uh, six and six, poor campaign in the Big 12, tying for seventh in the Big 12. Um, they did beat Houston, and they won at West Virginia. Their only conference victory is at Kansas. And then the best one, that game against Iowa State, where the kid kicked the 63-yard field goal to win it. Mississippi State is a significant favorite. Nine now up to nine and a half here. I'm all with a total of 59 and a half. I, I like Mississippi State here. Hale State in this one. Uh... I think they're going to absolutely roll them. Texas Tech, we saw this team struggle down the stretch, as you alluded to. Losers of four out of five games, but it wasn't just that. They couldn't move the ball at all offensively. I'm not saying Mississippi State's defense is comparable to Oklahoma State, but I think they're a pretty good defense. And unless you have the offensive ability that we saw out of Matt Corral and company, it's going to be a challenge in this game for these guys. The other thing I would look at here is, remember, this is an opportunity for Mike Leake to beat his former university uh, so I think he gets it done against a program that fired him. Uh, I like Mississippi State. Will Rogers has played better this season. You referenced that game against Auburn, one of the most impressive things I've seen all year. They were dead in the water. What was it, 28-3? to 28-3 in the second quarter against Auburn. And Auburn had scored four touchdowns on four possessions. You know, so many times when I'm watching games on a Saturday, I'm cheering for a team. If I don't have action on a game, I'm cheering for a team that I want to see lose. So I'm pulling for the other side. I was pulling for Mississippi State, and I'm like, oh, this thing is over. And I remember calling my dad up and said, hey, put the Mississippi State game back on. Because all of a sudden, who would have known they would just come back time after time after time? Terrible by Auburn. Paul Stone and I both had the under in that game, if you remember. I had under 24 first half, so I was watching it until it got to now. be. Until it was 28-3, to and I turned it off. I had no idea Mississippi State had come, <laughs> come back and won that game. Quite amazing. I'm all a few minutes left here in this segment. Let's talk about college basketball tonight. All uh, Three of the top four teams uh, in the country are in action tonight, but all very, very big spreads. Uh, let's start with Baylor, who uh, did not cover the number at Eugene over the weekend. 
What was the number? Seven? Seven and a half. Yeah, but if you took the second half, yeah. I like our astute producer Britton Hess <laughs> did here. Minus minus six second half. They were down four, four. at the break. Mm-hmm. You get Baylor. Win bet. It's, it's a, a win, win bet. bet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Oregon had been disappointing. Anyhow, Baylor uh, is at home there hosting Alcorn State, laying 34 and a half points a mole. Yeah, uh, Alcorn State is in some serious trouble in this game. The Braves are going to get demolished here. They come in with a 1-9 and record. This Baylor team is elite defensively. I think they'll be able to really put the clamps on this one. I, I didn't see a total on this game, Mike, but this is going to be blowout city. One, uh, This one is 139. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. I would play this game under. Alcorn 1-9 and on the year coming in against 10-0 and Baylor. It's, I, I have a feeling they're going to be 1-10. Baylor destroyed um, Villanova last Sunday on national TV. Villanova didn't look much better in, in Omaha on Friday night. Yeah, by the way, I wasn't going to bring it up until you mentioned oh. I was going to say, can we get some extra water in here taking oh. that road chalk in a conference game? <laughs> my God, I saw the pick, and I said to Dave Ross, I said, listen, if you're going to play this game, wait for a possible in-game opportunity. Can't take them on the road. Uh, Purdue, ranked third in the country at 10-1, and one, is hosting the Incarnate Word, who brings the impressive 2-9 and nine record into Mackey Arena today. This game goes at 4 o'clock Pacific. 7 o'clock on the East Coast. You can see it on the Big Ten Network. Purdue, shop around. You might be able to get 38. I'm <laughs> uh, not going to touch this game, but I think the, it'll be boiler up time here. They should be able to roll in this game by a large margin. 39 and 145. No interest in this one either way. So, going to stay off this game completely. Finally, a game with a closer spread. Uh, Gonzaga taking on Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona, 4 and 7. The Zags ranked 4th, 9 and 2. Gonzaga, 6 o'clock Pacific. Only lane 35. Last year, these two teams met. The Zags won this one by only 30. Ooh. So with the 35. Was it, was, was it at Gonzaga as well? Yeah, they're not going down yeah, to NAU. Not, no, we're big not, check. Big we're check not going to Flagstaff. Yeah, exactly. This is a home game. Got to You know, you got to get the home attendance there to boost the uh, coffers of the ac- uh, athletic department. Jackrabbits? Is that NAU? Is Lumberjacks. Jack- Lumberjacks. Yeah. That's right. I had the jack part right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have a play today for us, all coming up? I do I not. Didn't, I didn't look I, at the rundown. I, 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 it might be hard to come up with a play today. Well, no, I'm going to tell you a play. I'm going to have Britton put it in, actually, as the Browns game under. Oh, very good. Very good. I do have a play, a cross-sport uh, parlay coming up between soccer, college football, and the NFL. I, I searched long and hard to find this one, Amal. Um, and then we're going to take a look at the night in the NBA, pretty good slate of games, as well as one game left on the ice as many teams have been shut down all the way through the Christmas break. That's up next. Odds on. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Bet River Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, Bet Rivers has added more and more same game parlay props for college football matchups just in time for the biggest games of the season. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with it. Colorado, 1 800 522 4700. Michigan, 100 270 Virginia, 1 888 And I will call 1 800 Bets Off. Playable in New Jersey is Play Sugar House Void where prohibited. Welcome back into Odds Odd. Mike Palm with Amal Shaw. And Amal, before the break, you said you're adding a play to the playbook. It's the early NFL doubleheader game tonight. It is the under in the uh, Browns and. Um, Raiders game here. Didn't mention the Tulsa game because it's already underway. Uh, already 7-7 in that one, two minutes into that one. But um, 
Browns Raiders under 40 here, Mike. I think this is going to be a defensive struggle, um, and I think we'll see uh, limited scoring by both sides. Well, we've seen when the Raiders don't have Waller. I mean, it's it's a night and day in the offense, and then we have all these problems with the, the Browns offensive lines. I might join you in that. Maybe I'll play a, maybe I'll play a first half under uh, 20. Uh, I, I did a cross-board money line parlay here, including Tulsa uh, on the money line in this game, as well as Fulham. The uh, game just went off in the English Champions League at 165, Tulsa at 320, and then, look, the Vikings got to win this game. They're in a lot of elimination games. They need to win at Soldier Field tonight because they've got Bears, Rams, Packers, Bears, right? Yeah. you got Rams and Packers coming up here. Packers is not the last week of the year. They're probably still going to be playing uh, for home field at that point. I doubt if they're going to have it locked up with two weeks to go. So must win for the Vikings tonight in that jumbled uh, wild card race in the NFC. All right, Amal, let's talk some NBA uh, tonight. we got a pretty good slate of games. And let's start out in B-Town where the 76ers are going to take on the Celtics tonight. Celtics laying three and a half with a total of 213 and a half. Yeah, this Philadelphia team a little bit inconsistent. You got Drummond out with COVID nineteen. You've got you know Joel Embiid another game time decision in this one. So again, tough to bet on some of these NBA games until you know who's going to be in or out of the lineup. Uh, I think that's something you got to pay attention to. On the flip side, we see the same thing with the Celtics here. A bunch of guys out as well. Jason Tatum's also going to be a game time decision. So lots to consider if you're looking at betting this game. Complete stay away for me here, Mike. Why don't just give you some quick breaking news? Okay. Um, Chris Godwin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, torn ACL out for the year. I told you. I told you all these injuries last night are going to come back to haunt them. And we didn't know the extent of Godwin's injury. But if you watched it in real time, it looked worse than it was. He was he was on the sideline trying to sprint to get back in the game. And they told him, no, no way. And now and now the MRI result r- yeah. reveals the uh, the ACL. Uh, Hornets, this is a team you like, to, you like to bet at home. But they're on the road tonight. They're in Salt Lake City taking on the Jazz where the Jazz are always – uh, super tough jazz lane 12 at home tonight with a total of 237 and a half of all. Yeah, I think the Hornets are in trouble here. The Jazz have lost two in a row at home against the Spurs and against the Wizards. Good bounce back opportunity for them. Big number here, though. I don't know if I want to lay it, but you mentioned money line parlays. I'm, I'm not sure what the ridiculous number on the Jazz and the money line tonight is, but I expect them to come out and play very strong. We saw Charlotte struggle on the road in Portland in the first half, did fight back in that game, but they were down, I think, 27 and halftime or somewhere around there. And I, I would expect to see this Utah team come out suffocating defensively in the first half. Mike, maybe potential look at the first half in this game between these two. All right, let's continue on. The Spurs, you mentioned the Spurs winning uh, in Utah. They're in L.A. tonight to take on the Clippers. Clippers are a four-and-a-half point favorite among with a total of 217. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup here with this Clippers team. I, to me, they would obviously be a bigger favorite. But again, it's the lineup situation Game time decision, no Marcus Morris in there for Paul George. Uh, no, obviously, Marcus Morris as well. Abaca also uh, going to be a game time decision with COVID-19 on Morris and Abaca. So that's why you're seeing such a low number here. But, Mike, if to me, it is worth the risk even without PG in the lineup for the Clippers at this price. And then if he doesn't go, you find yourself an opportunity to potentially get off of it. Minus 190 on the money line. I would take the Clippers here. The Spurs will not emerge as a favorite until the game goes unless they get a lead. But you can always maybe take a hedge on the other side and get off the play. Spurs on a back-to-back as well, having lost in Sacramento last night. Uh, the Rockets take on the Bulls. Bulls, the big victory over the Lakers at home yesterday. They stay at home to play the Rockets. Bulls, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, Amal, with a total of 222-and-a-half. Yeah, the Bulls were able to overcome the LeBron James argument with the official on the ball thrown off of Russell Westbrook's uh, foot saying it was their ball. But 
in all seriousness, this Bulls team is dangerous in the East. You know, in the Eastern Conference, I look at three teams right now, Brooklyn, uh, Miami, and Milwaukee. But the Bulls and the Cavs are two teams you have to really consider. Uh, this Bulls team, I think, should be able to win this game fairly comfortably. The, the problem, again, this this is a major issue right now. To me, Mike, the NBA won't do it. They should shut down for two weeks, allow everyone to get everything under control with the COVID and get back to a full schedule. It is hard to bet on these games. When you look at right now with the Bulls, Zach Levine out, COVID-19. Uh, I mean, you've got so many guys that are in and out of the lineup. It's not even just the fact that you're out without key players, but the bench has impacted as well. Do you think that if Christmas Day didn't fall in the next two weeks, they might do that? Because for the NBA, they own Christmas Day. They do, but, you know, I've always said for a long time, the NBA should start on Christmas Day. That should be the season opening uh, for them. They're going to play, but it's going to be a problem when you've got so many guys out of the lineup. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Christmas Day features starting at 9 o'clock Eastern. Hawks at Knicks, Celtics at Bucks, Warriors at Suns, Nets at Lakers, and Mavericks at Jazz. Give me an over-under how many of those games get played on Christmas Day. Uh, I'm going to say four and a half. I'm going to say four is the exact yeah. number, and it will be four or more. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you there, unless we see more outbreaks. Um, Bulls right now, second-best record in the East, trailing only the Nets. This is a dangerous team. They're good. They, they've got some talent. Uh, DeRozan was outstanding last night, goes for 38. But beyond that, I, I just don't think people realize how good of a player he can be. And with Levine, uh, the two L.A. – excuse me – um, these two guys have been terrific. You know, both one played at UCLA, one at USC, but they've been the key catalyst for this team. I think they're dangerous. I'm not convinced, though, they can beat Miami, Brooklyn, or um, Milwaukee in a seven-game series in the conference finals. They could get to the conference finals. I'm just not sure they can beat two out of these three teams to get to the finals. Cavaliers have covered 14 in a row. I wanted. I, I was looking forward to seeing them play the Hawks yesterday, right? And then the game got postponed uh, with the COVID issues. But including, though... That 29-point victory in Milwaukee uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, the Bucks obviously decimated by COVID and injuries as well. But to win by 30 on the road, boy, that is impressive. Now, defensively, they've been terrific. That's been the key for this team. Uh, the, Allen and, of course, the youngster Mobley have been outstanding. And then Darius Garland, a guy I think that flew under the radar for a lot of people, came out of Vanderbilt, probably didn't see him play a lot in college. But he's really turned into a terrific player. They really are not missing Colin Sexton. I think Colin Sexton... High draft pick, but not as good as maybe they were hoping it would be. All right, two more games tonight. The Sacramento Kings won at home last night. Now they go to Oracle to take on the Warriors. Warriors, a huge favorite. Lane 13, 12 and a half in some spots with a total of 221 and a half a mile. Yeah, no Davion Mitchell, no De'Aaron Fox. Obviously the catalyst for this team. I think the Warriors roll in this game, Mike. I didn't play this one, but I think they're going to win this game by 15, 17, 18 points. They lost by 19 in Toronto with no Draymond Green and no Steph. I think both of them play extremely well in this game, and I think they absolutely destroy Sacramento. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder are at Memphis tonight. Take on the Grizzlies. Grizzlies 19 and 12 so far this year. Oklahoma City 9 and 19. Memphis a nine-point favorite. The total of 212 and a half. I, I want to take uh, Memphis in this game, but I don't want to lay this many points on a back-to-back -back here. They lost to Portland yesterday, a bit of a surprising home loss. Good opportunity for them to bounce back in this spot. I think they get the W, but a, a big number here. But here's the problem. You can't back Oklahoma City. This team is just not good at all. Yeah. Um, four out of the five games in the NHL postponed tonight. We have five teams officially shut down through Christmas, but we do have one game on the ice, and that is the Minnesota Wild taking on the Dallas Stars. Uh, the Wild come in with 40 points, 19-8-2. The Stars with 30 points, 14-12-2. and two. 
Stars are a slight home favorite tonight, minus 115, uh, with a total of all five and a half, shaded to the over, minus 15 cents. Yeah, no play here. I think it's a tough game either way. Minnesota's been terrific. Nobody's talking about the Wild and how well they've played. Dallas always fairly challenging on home ice. they got to win against the uh, uh, against the Blackhawks on Saturday. 10-3-1 so far this year at American Airlines Center. But for me, when you look at this matchup, Mike, uh, it's really going to come down to the goaltending. Cam Talbot against Jake Ottinger. Ottinger's been outstanding, just a barely above two goals against. Paul Maurice, uh, under reportedly no pressure in Winnipeg, second winningest coach current active in the NHL, resigned uh, late last week, stating the team needed a new voice. Your thoughts? I was surprised by that. It made the postseason six out of seven years. This team has been consistently competitive. Uh, I, I thought it was more of a behind-the-scenes situation than anything else that his resignation. Obviously, we don't have the information completely, but it just surprised me, as you alluded to. And uh, Winnipeg's one of those markets there. I don't think in Manitoba the people are uh, calling for his job. Yeah. Uh, as we talk, 7-7 seven to seven in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Old Dominion runs the opening kickback. Pulse has a quick touchdown drive, and then Old Dominion just misses a field goal. Current number still seven and a half. I'm all total sixty four and a half. Any thoughts on an end game play? Yeah, I, I have Tulsa before the game. I'm going to yeah. stick with it here. I think the Golden Hurricane eventually slow down this ODU offense. How about total right now? Sixty four and a half in game. I would go under. That's I would a as big well. number. I would as well. May take a little shot here. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow, but stay tuned to Vison. Up next, it's betting across America.